pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking back up on parenting today. Um, No questions, though. We're not going to do any like we did last time with uh, Raising Boys, simply because it's kind of a big episode. So I don't think we did any last time either. That's what I mean. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Already we're off to a flying start. <laughs> picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we talked last time about boys and how to raise them up to become men. So today we'll look at women. Um, right now, uh, you possibly have a sweet little girl that lives in your home. And it's really hard at that time of life for you to see her all grown up in your mind's eye. Uh, She's happily twirling in her dress. She shows you her pretty artwork. And the furthest furthest thing from your mind is her taking to TikTok or Twitter to denounce male patriarchy (laughs) and why she loves a woman. Right? You you just don't see that. That's not what any dad sees when he looks at his little girl. Uh, You can't picture her marching in a mob, raising her fist over her head while she screams obscenities at any and all perceived authority figures. But then 12 years later, that flew by in ways you simply can't even grasp right now, there she is. She's all grown up, time is gone, your influence is gone, or at the very uh, least, greatly diminished. So the question then is, what did you raise? You're all done. It's easy to talk about what you want to raise when you got a little one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, we all have dreams. We hold that little baby in our hand, and we commit him to the Lord, and we get a baby dedication. Or if you have an unbiblical view of baptism, you baptize him as a baby. But you <laughs> that, that that's in light of our other subjects we've been talking about. Anyhow, um, at that point, you have all the dreams. But now you're all done, and you're looking at what you produced. Now, what we see today is a travesty that's taking right, uh, taking place right before our eyes. And what it really is, is is a paganization of households and culture. Paganism is generally understood to be that which is not a formal religion with creed and doctrine. Rather, it is broad in what it believes and focuses more upon the physical pleasures and material things. At the core, though, it's a dismissal of God. And there's a strong desire in our culture today to, to view God like the pagans of Psalm 2, where they say, why do the nations rebel? Why are the countries devising plots that will fail? The kings of the earth form a united front. The rulers collaborate against the Lord and his anointed king. And they say, let's tear off the shackles they put on us. Let's free ourselves from their ropes. But this paganization to which we refer is not of our broader non-Christian culture, sadly, but it's actually now become the culture of the Christian church and the Christian home. We see the church today in America literally on the precipice of wholesale apostasy. And the reason is that that too often the church desires to be like the pagans around her. 
it's critical then that Christians not be a people. Uh, it's critical that Christians not be a people of God raising pagans. What we want to do is raise believers. In fact, that's actually the point of my sermon this coming Sunday. But if we do not take care and walk as wise men and women, that's exactly what we will end up raising. So today we're going to turn our attention to the future women, the daughters who fill so many of our households. But first, a quick reminder of what we saw last episode. Two quick points. The gender roles of male and female are defined and given to us by, to us by God and not man. And therefore, we can only rightly understand ourselves in light of God's revelation. Both male and female bear the image of God, and this alone makes them equal in their glory and being. Any view of either male or female that diminishes the gender is a false understanding. So with that, let's turn our attention to the little girls and the daughters in the various homes and talk about what it looks like. Okay, so both of us have daughters. So this is not an exercise in guesswork. Um, in many ways, what you do with your son, uh, we would say is what you're going to do with your daughter, but you'll do it with a different emphasis. So she also is a recipient of the cultural mandate in Genesis 1.28, which we talked about last time. Uh, but in chapter 2, verse 15, uh, along with verse uh, 18, uh, it's important to note the mandate was given to Adam, and then Eve was created to help him achieve that mandate. So the point is you raise your daughters not to compete with the men, but to help and to cooperate with them. So to raise daughters is to raise young women to be a gentle soul who is diligent and faithful. You're going to raise her to be nurturing and caring, uh, one who comes alongside others to help. You raise her to have hands that are busy with good works. As parents, you must accept and even embrace that this age and culture is going to froth at the mouth if you choose to raise your daughters from a biblical foundation. Um, but that's what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just going to give you some some other points here to consider. First of all, she is to be and understand herself to be a master in her own realm. Now, that realm may be large or small, but she is to master it. She is called by God to bring this creation under submission. Um, this means that you must give her opportunities to plan and execute those plans. Uh, let her explore, let her create in her childhood, but also give her tasks and responsibilities. Uh, mothers have to learn to see the time of childhood as a time of training and equipping. It is not primarily a time of play and recreation. Well, I wish that could just sink into every parent. They're boys and girls. Childhood is not a time to just be children, whatever that means. It's a time to train them for adulthood because they're going to become adults one way or the other. Right. I mean, given time. So use that as a training time rather than a time for them to just play. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be modeled by you uh, as a mother primarily. But those young ladies, therefore, are to be taught to manage a home. Uh, so the home is a key point of reference for a biblical woman. Um, and we don't say that apologetically. In Titus 2, she is called to be a housekeeper or a house worker, um, keeper of the home. Uh, this is a term not of minor importance, but of a, a, a manager or a keeper of the household. Um, that's repeated again in 1 Timothy 5.14 to young widows that they were to pursue marriage and to manage their households. And so as you raise your daughter, you, you raise her to see the value and honor 
that's in the home and the family. Um, it, it is not a step down uh, of importance or value. Uh, in fact, it is of supreme value if it is taught to be viewed rightly. And this is where I wish we had some women of our church even on this podcast, yeah. um, because they they I've heard them say that many, many times of just th that shift in their thinking once they learn that biblical model of the home is not like this step down like the culture keeps telling you. Rather, it's it's a very high place, place yeah. of privilege even. Um, so do you know you, what my first sermon, uh, Mother's Day sermon, when I pastored here was? Uh -uh. <laughs> well, you're laughing, so this is... <laughs> well, it was a glimpse of things to come for the poor church. Um, is it, the title of it was Mothers Come Home. Because in the early days of our church, almost all of them worked outside of the home. They they were very proud that they they could outwork a man. They 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 wanted to buy a Harley. It, it, Harley. They were very very masculine in many ways, rather than delighting in the uniqueness of what they were created. But everything was always outward. Get away from the kids. Don't want to be with the kids. Uh, now, not in every home, sure. understand that. But it was it was very much a different thought process. And so I thought, you know what? We're, we're spo I'm supposed to do a Mother's Day sermon, so I'll do one. But I'm going to call all these working mothers, come home so that you can care for your family and that household. And that was my first salvo in trying to shift a, a worldview that was very different. But yeah, yeah that was yeah. fun. You should have seen the face because all the husbands were like, waiting to hear about how mothers are just perfect and they're adults. And all the mothers were expecting to be loved and pet and stuff. Instead, I'm up there railing away. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. they hired it's, me. We, uh, we'll watch like some of the old TV shows from like the 90s and stuff, and they're so annoying and offensive to watch now because that's when the feminism was yeah. becoming mainstream. Yeah. And every TV show, the man was an idiot. Yep. And the wife was always right and dominant in the home. Everybody loves Raymond, King of Queens, things like that. Yeah. The guy's an idiot. The, the mother is the one who knows everything. Yep. And yep. And then, but you go back even further, but, you see them where they work in the home and, and they're the perfect homes and stuff like that. But they also, there's a lot of manipulation and, and, and it's like, man, just even back then, it was much less, but it was still there, an unbiblical view of what home and the role is. Yeah. But. So that, that, that's it, though, is if you're going to have a biblical woman and raise a biblical daughter and give them a biblical worldview, you, uh, you should help them to see that the home is really the center. Um, now, in the beginning, uh, her realm to rule is going to be a place like her bedroom. Um, but as she grows, uh, we'll be alongside her mother, learning the many skills it takes to effectively run a home. Um, now, this way in no way eliminates her from working outside of the home, but it does define how to raise your daughters to view themselves in this world. She starts in the home and works outward, whereas your son is to be taught to look outward upon the world and to take it on. So we would say don't tolerate those competing messages to be part of your daughter's upbringing. Just like you must with a son, when you hear a daughter speak approvingly of something contrary to sound doctrine, uh, it is your task to challenge it immediately. Yeah, absolutely confront it. Um, next, you want to raise her to be a mother. Um, the command given to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and fill the earth. Now, the only way that's going to happen is if Eve embraces motherhood. And the only way that any other woman, once she's married, can embrace this is by becoming a mother. 
So even if your daughter ultimately doesn't bear children, she's still to be taught that motherhood is righteous and, and a glorious role. So some will not marry and they, they won't have children. Others will simply, because we live in a broken, fallen world, they're not going to be able to have children. And that's always a shame. Uh, but that doesn't take away that we the, the idea and the glory of what that role is. So the father must make sure that he shows proper honor to his wife as a mother and demand that also of his sons. It means that you have children. That as you have children, you involve the girls in the nurture and nurture and care of those new little ones. They teach them what biblical mothering looks like. What what which means a mother has to be really an expert at this task. I think of one of my daughters. She has nothing. They had nothing but daughters, and it's really fun to watch them all. They'll help mom change the diaper and feed the the, the, the youngest. And then I have another. My son. He, he only had boys. <laughs> and they'll help out. The big brothers will help out with their little one. But most of the time, they're poking them in the eye or, <laughs> or giving them a, a noogie on the It's like just a totally different perspective. Um, and it's like, yeah, they're toughening up their little brother. Meanwhile, the other ones are just taking good care of their little sister. Um, it is fun to watch them. Now, this also means then that you as parents have to exalt motherhood in every way. Uh, a, a wife doesn't want to model bitterness of dreams that were lost because she's now a mother. Uh, weariness is a sign of hard work. It's not a sign of failure. So don't complain about it. Instead, just go to bed and get some sleep. God has entrusted to the parents the very souls of little ones who will one day rise up to battle unbelief and be lovers of God. Now, that unbelief is seen in a multitude of ways, but one way you can model unbelief is by rejecting marriage because it's too limiting or rejecting children for some reason out of fear or comfort. But also never, ever give the impression that what the man is doing is somehow more important than what the woman is doing. They instead are to complement each other. They are not to compete against each other. So a major purpose behind marriage is to make babies. Too often, the basis for avoiding children early on is simply a pursuit of the American vision of romance and married life. Uh, before you choose to delay children, both a husband and wife should carefully ask what would happen if they had them right away. What if, what if they just got pregnant early and quickly? But it's also important to understand that babies uh, are not the end or goal of a marriage. We are to model instead the relationship of Christ in his church. So you, you raise her, though, to love children, first by loving your wife, but also to not make those children ever an idol. It, that's, that's probably yeah. one of the greatest challenges for most wives, I think, is their children becomes their idol, and uh, a husband has to carefully shepherd that with his heart, wife's heart, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, we'd say teach her to value uh, or the value of good works and hospitality. Uh, so we have some passages here that we'll read and make some basic observations. And what we want you to consider is the heart attitude uh, that's built into these rather than the mere external aspects of having babies or keeping homes. So Proverbs 31 uh, 10 through 31, a little bit of a long passage, but uh, it says, An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. 
She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She raises also, or rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the, uh, to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Now that is a very rich yeah. description of a godly, industrious woman. Did you ever read Rachel Held Evans' little book on where she tried to be for a year, a Proverbs 31 woman? Uh-uh. Yeah, it, it was bad. She just butchered it, uh, and it was all an attempt to push her horrid type of view of feminism. But mm. yeah, it's a, such a rich passage, and somehow she twisted it. Um, and her really, her pushback was because she'd also seen the pharisaical approach to this. Sure. But it, it's a beautiful passage. It really is. And, and it is far more than that, you know, that sort of barefoot and pregnant yeah. <laughs> uh, picture that you always get. Um, so here you have hard work, you have oversight, you have the managing of a whole household. Um, yeah, it really puts feet to what it means to be a keeper of the home. I mean, she's out there buying property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is expanding her husband's household from within. Yeah, He's outside. She's within the household expanding it. It's, it's crazy, yeah. the responsibilities she has. Well, and it's showing... Uh, tremendous foresight, yeah. Planning. Her husband um, trusts her, and because she has just shown faithfulness. Um, but notice how it is—it's based uh, in the home, and it's designed, as you were saying, to extend the influence of her husband within the community. That's very interesting. Um, she recognizes that she represents her husband and his entire household. Um, so it's a very good passage, uh, one to meditate and dwell on. Um, Titus 2, 3 through 5 is another one. It says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Why? So that the word of God may not be dishonored. So godly older women are hard to find. Just like godly older men, yeah, it's not hard. It's not hard to find old women. <laughs> well, I, I, it's not. I mean, all you gotta do is keep breathing. Yeah, uh, you'll eventually become an old woman or an old man. But, but a godly one—that's that's a whole Rare. different. Yeah, and they're a treasure to the church, right? Oh man, yes. Um, 
So, so how does a woman not become a gossip, gossip or become a drunkard? Just that, something typical of, of what defines older women for some reason. Um, well, here it's by learning to control the tongue and the appetite in her youth. Um, so the term encourage here in verse four, uh, it's also translated as train or to teach or to urge. Uh, it speaks of teaching people to be self-controlled. Uh, a younger woman uh, lacks that often. Um, and it is the duty, therefore, of older ladies to be able to teach that. Um, but they can't teach what they don't have. Right. That's the key. That's the key. Um, verse 5 shows how countercultural, then, the Christian home will now look in places like America. Um, but at the very end of the passage is the reasoning behind it. And, and what is it? Um, it's so that the word of God may not be dishonored. Um, so if, if this is not practiced by a woman, then what do you do? You just bring dishonoring. Yeah, anyone who picks up the Bible. Well, we we had a guy in our uh, FOF class. um, It's kind of related to this. Is we got to the chapter on FOF is fundamentals of the faith. You can buy it. Uh, It's uh, put out by Grace Community Church, and we had the chapter on evangelism. And this guy's a brand new baby Christian. And you know, I asked him like any comments, observations. He's like, I got one. I'm like, okay. He's like. So I found this very interesting. He's like, and basically, if this is true, and I think it is, then most Christians are really disobedient. (laughs) I looked at him. He's like, I'm serious. He's like, I grew up around Christians my whole life, and nobody ever told me the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But it it is. By refusing to withhold the gospel, by refusing to embrace our gender roles and responsibility, we we dishonor the word. And once people pick up the Bible and start to read it, they can quickly start looking and saying, that is not. Yeah. Well, and when it's done poorly, we ought not to wonder and scratch our heads in at why people look at the church and they'll look at something like gender roles or what the church teaches as antiquated, draconian, yeah. um, just disgusting, mistreating of women, these kinds of things. But when it's done well um, and you now have a home that's prospering, they can say what they want about roles in the Bible, but what they can't deny is the virtue there, that yeah. there's joy there, there's a delight there, there's yeah. uh, a family that's flourishing, really. Yeah. Um, Good th- but that's what we mean by not dishonoring God's right. word is they look and they're like, well, I don't have that. Yeah, I wish I wish, yeah, I wish, wish that me and my wife would talk to each other that way, or I wish we- There's an envy. Children. Yeah, that, yeah. That idea of blessed. That blessed. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, First Timothy 2, 9 through 10 is another one. Um, it says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, uh, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as befits women making a claim to godliness. So this here is a short riff on Proverbs 31. Uh, the idea of beauty is fleeting, but godliness is always praiseworthy. Um, and so we would say, what are you, or ask, what are you doing with your daughters? Uh, how much of it uh, is in the pursuit of external things rather than hands that are busy doing good. Uh, again, that requires a wife and a mother to be doing that first. Uh, her daughters should see kindness and gentleness and encouragement every day from their mother, um, should not be a backbiting, complaining, resisting, or grumbling heart. Yeah, and also there's that thing about modestly, being dressed modestly. And everyone wants to get up in arms and, well, yeah, well, what's that? And how do you define it? So it's it's it, modest 
being modest is an issue of the heart. And that's true, except it always has to at some point result in clothing. Right. <laughs> I mean, at some point, then this clothing is to reflect a heart of modest, of modesty. And I mean, my girls, one of the things I just told them no, that they weren't allowed to have was those shirts that nowadays they make all these shirts so short that the moment you move at all, you're showing off your belly and everything. I said, no, no young man needs to see your belly. They just don't need to be looking at those things. I said, and, and every time you do this, you're showing them parts of the body that are not theirs to look at. And so the infamous thing was, is if I ever had a suspicion about a shirt they were wearing, I'd make them raise their hands over their head. And I said, if I could see it, <laughs> many a times I sent my daughters back upstairs. And I said, just, you can throw that shirt away because you'll never wear it again. And they were not, but it's like, no. Yeah. That body is not yours. And I don't know of any of my daughters who hate me for it now, uh, though they weren't sure they loved me so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they teach it to their own daughters. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 10 uh, is another one. Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. So here we have now the back end of a woman's life. Her whole trajectory should have been moving towards this goal. Um, it matters not one bit what contracts you drew up, what deals you managed, what decorations you created, what studies you attended, so on and so forth. Um, you want to raise up daughters who, when they're old and potentially alone in those vulnerable years, to be known by all as a woman who served, uh, met the real needs of the saints, and did what was good. These things yeah. Paul is outlining. And what the thing that struck me with that is that that is going to be after my wife and I are gone. We're dead. Mm -hmm. And so it's like... you. Learning to parent your daughters with the faith that extends beyond your life, um, that that when they're at the end of their life, that that they have now acquired that kind of a rich reputation, um, that's a beautiful thing. But that that takes so much forethought and care. It means that you really have to work hard um, because we won't be here to see our daughters. Right. You know, yeah. at that point they'll they're on their own. Yeah, it's kind of a neat passage if you yeah. think about it. Well, I, kind of on the flip side too, um, these kinds of passages mean that fathers and husbands uh, play a huge role in this. Uh, they must delight in praise and value those works of mercy and a hospitable home. You're, you might, your, your wife can be only as hospitable as you'll let her, yeah. essentially. Um, and, and that's a huge burden now placed on you as the man of that home. Um, so you you rob her of that ability if you don't, provide her a, a home to be able to do that. Um, so the home is not a retreat. Uh, it's a missional outpost where you both reach out to those who do not follow Christ and then also serve those who do. Yeah, but that's a radical reformatting yeah. of the American mindset. So the next thing we'd say is raise her to respect men, but also to be rude. So <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah, so respect them, but be rude. Uh, my daughters were often exasperated by my son. Um, most of the time, the reasons, though, for the exasperation were not valid because what they wanted him to be was to be like a woman. Just as I had to train my son to never mock a girl for acting like a girl, so, too, I had to train the girls to never mock a boy 
for being a boy. Not that they didn't. It just, he always got me chewing on them every time they did. Um, the controlling attitude that Paul and Peter both give to wives is to be subject to their own husbands. That word own is not there by mistake. It's because for some weird reason, wives find it easy to submit to everybody but their own husband. (laughs) And um, as pastors, we find that, right, where a wife will come up to us and ask our opinion. And I've had to learn the hard way to say, what does your husband say? Yeah, what does your husband (laughs) say? Because you find out that you're undercutting his authority. It's like, go do what your husband's asked you to do. It's not sinful. You just don't like it. Uh, That's And that shows a hard attitude. So a key way uh, to be subject to your own husband is through respecting them as the head of that home. When a father, when as a father you abdicate that through not establishing a godly tenor in the home or by not making decisions or by being lazy or distant, uh, not by modeling a love for your wife and a love for Christ and his church, all you're doing is setting your daughter up to struggle how to rightly relate to a man. So you gotta get over yourself and your laziness and your fear and start running your home As mothers, you have to remember that your daughters and your sons are seeing far more than you think they see. They hear you if you grumble. They see you when you resist, and they know what a cheerful and gentle spirit looks like, and they know if you have one. And so you can inadvertently tear down your house and then weep for years later while you watch your daughters do the same thing. But beloved, it doesn't have to be that way if you will embrace parenting with faith. But you also have to show your daughters that in life, there are very few men who they have to actually submit to, not men in general. They're not to be in submission to all men, but specific men are their responsibility. So I told my daughters, and I've told those women I give premarital counsel to, that they need to think real long and hard about the man they marry. Because from the day for, that day forward, once they say, I do, there would only be that man who she must arrange herself under so she can, so she can uh, respect him. And that takes, boy, it's bad when you marry poorly. Yeah. Um, the normal situation for a daughter is to learn first to respect her father and then her husband. She is to learn also to respect any who are in authority but to understand that the primary points of authority always will lie first with the father and then with the husband after marriage. Yeah. Uh, then along with that, I, I mentioned, so that's a respect side. How about rudeness? This is uh, godly rudeness is a term Doug Wilson came up with, but I found that very helpful. Uh, what you're supposed to do to your daughter is to teach her that she's not called to be polite to those who speak to her crudely or inappropriately. Um, when a young man is making advances at her, she is to be rude, not respectful. She will encounter a lot of foul men in her life, and she should give them no quarter and no time. And in fact, Doug Wilson puts it this way in his book, Her Hand in Marriage. He says, in certain situations, to be polite, to be polite is to compromise the faith. That's a great, yeah. great line. On a similar level, she must be taught to create distance between herself and boys who are merely acquaintances. Now, this is not actual rudeness, but it is learning to be aware that boys are boys. <laughs> that's, that's, there's more to that than meets the eye. Boys are strange creatures. We know because we're one of them. Uh, they don't need much to call, cause them to fall head over heels for a long, young lady. I remember telling one of my daughters, I said, 
I saw her playfully smack a, a boy um, on his arm because he teased her in some way. And I said, I don't want you touching him. And she's like, Daddy, it was no big deal. I said, yes, it was. And she said, no, no, no. He, he just, he, he teased me. And, and I said, you don't understand. He teased <laughs> you because he likes you. She's like, no, he doesn't. I said, trust me, he likes you. I said, understand, you're a beautiful young lady. He likes you. He's an idiot, so he doesn't know how to approach that. So he teases you. What he's hoping is that you'll touch him. And you did. I said, guys will walk away thrilled because they felt the hand of a girl, even though it's a slap. You got to, they just don't understand boys, right? I'm looking at you and you're grinning at me. He's like, yeah. Well, it's yeah. true. It's true. Um, and, and so to assume that your daughter is just friends with them because they've never approached her in any serious manner is a big mistake that fathers make. Beloved, when a boy shows up to a Bible study or some event every time she's there, you should teach her. That, he, she, that this young man is likely interested in her, and she has to be kind but distant from him because he's not showing up because he really wants to learn more about the attributes of God. He wants to look at her or sit near her and pretend that he's really interested in that lesson. Fastest way to grow, church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember back in the day, uh, the Bible studies you used to do yep. years ago, and that thing grew. I mean, and it's like these they're coming from every church. All over the place. Yeah, we went from two to 40. <laughs> <laughs> and there's 10, 15 churches represented there, and it's just like, you're not all here to learn about the Bible. Nope. Um, and as a parent, then, you have to be watchful for watchful for these things. We'll, we'll maybe get into more details some other time. We don't have the time now. But you just got to open up your eyes and realize that there's a game being played in their teens, and you need to help guide your daughter through it, and teach her to be rude. Yeah. Uh, next, we'd say teach her to be a virtuous, excellent woman. Um, like everything else, this means mothers must model that, of course, uh, before their daughters, and then fathers ought to work hard at praising that and then expecting that. So Ruth, the Moabitess, uh, is called a woman of excellence by Boaz, uh, who would become her future husband. Um, that term there, excellence, refers to wealth, strength, uh, army, uh, and morally upright. Uh, it's a term of, in other words, strength, not wimpiness or weakness. It's interesting, though, that Boaz looked on, at her, and he wasn't noticing her figure. He wasn't noticing her perfume. What He he was a godly man. He knew what he was looking for. Yeah. Uh, he wanted a, a godly woman, a, a hardworking woman, and that's what he noticed. This is an excellent woman. Um that it, sh it speaks a lot about Strong him, yeah. and it speaks a lot about, of course, course Ruth. Yeah. So, so you don't want to raise a fainting flower, right? Um, <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> there, no, don't. <laughs> you you want to raise a strong woman. Uh, in, in her own right, who stands strong and therefore doing what is right. Um, so let us just give some tidbits. Uh, we would say, fathers, train yourself to draw your daughters near to you. Um, hold them, hug them, praise them as they struggle and grow, and certainly do not ever mock them in their weakness. A good point of counsel to new fathers regarding daughters, and I know you say this all the time, is when in doubt, hug them. Yep. You can never overly hug your daughter. Let them know what it feels like to be held by their father, that they're safe in his arms, they feel his hand on their back, they hold hands. You, you, I don't care what you feel like, do it. Yeah. Do yeah. it. 
um, teach them that affection is quickly found in you uh, so that those cheap imitations of prowling boys uh, will be easily discerned. Uh, we'll just put it that way. Uh, encourage them to pursue their interests and give them opportunities to do so. So some some are just going to naturally love to read. Others will love art. Um, you'll have aggressive girls. You'll have passive ones. You'll have strong ones. You'll have fearful ones. But each needs to be shepherded to guide their strengths and to build up that which is weak in them. So make sure to speak honestly about the world and its temptations and also its traps be very honest with them as they become aware of boys. Uh, don't give them false images uh, of that in any way, but instead try to help them work through the many emotions and challenges that come with that. Um, this is where fathers come in. You know what boys are thinking because, as we were just saying, you are one. Um, so so teach, you, you know how they're thinking, yeah. so you can interpret things for them. This is a place where young when they're entering puberty, this is where the voice of a father becomes huge. Uh, this is why when they're younger, you're trying to get them to hear your voice and trust you. Uh, when they're little, now it's puberty and the hormones are in there and everything else, and they're noticing guys and guys are noticing them, no matter how subtle they are. You, you want to make certain that you have the ability as a father to talk to your daughter and talk honestly so that she understands what a boy is and what he's thinking. It's not that they're evil, they're just boys. And she doesn't understand them as much as she thinks maybe she she does. Only a guy can understand what a guy is. Yeah. Um, we'd also say then, make certain that your home is a place of protection. Um, they, they are safe there. They're safe there, of course, to grow, but it's also a safe place for them yeah. to fail. Um, let them know that you as a father shall be by their side and that you will fight for them and fight with them for the sake of godliness in the gospel. So just in conclusion here, a daughter well-raised is a joy to both a mother and a father, uh, but it takes a biblical vision in the hearts of the parents and diligence to see that through to the end. So raise her in a home that loves Jesus Christ and that loves the gospel. Show her what it looks like to love Christ's church. Um, model for her a life of goodness and virtue. Um, so we hope this is helpful. Raising daughters today is very hard in our culture, um, but it is what is needed. And so we would encourage you to gird up your minds, repent where you need to perhaps get to work. Um, you're, you're not merely surviving, which is the mindset of parenting so often. Um, you, you're expected to build, to plant, to cultivate, and to harvest a crop of daughters who are wise, godly, and diligent. So we'll pick back up on parenting next time. Uh, Lord willing. So until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on parenting daughters. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm -hmm.